Office Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. One door closed, another open. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Nicole Murray. On this Thursday, February 8th, glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. The Senate has failed to pass a border security measure, but the foreign aid attached to the bill may survive. In the Middle East, a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad killed a militia leader behind the deadly attack on American troops in Jordan. The Supreme Court hears arguments today about ballot eligibility for former President Trump. We'll have a preview. And why 20-somethings are going to bed earlier instead of bar hopping and dining out late. I think that we are more exhausted than (laughs) maybe previous generations were when they were our age. And I think that there are a lot of different reasons for that. I think it's a combination of feeling a bit overwhelmed and just recognizing that getting a good night's sleep is a key to having a successful next day. Rachel Wolf at the Wall Street Journal on the 9 p.m. bedtime for young adults. A U.S. drone strike inside Iraq has rubbed out a commander of the Iraqi militia blamed for a deadly strike at an American base in Jordan last week. The Pentagon says the commander belonged to the Qatayib Hezbollah, which is supported by Iran. Proxy groups backed by Iran are blamed for at least 168 attacks against American forces based in the region. Meanwhile, Secretary of State Antony Blinken says a ceasefire and hostage release agreement between Israel and Hamas was still possible, despite the two sides being far apart on the central terms for a deal. As I said to the Prime Minister and to other Israeli officials today, the daily toll that its military operations continue to take on innocent civilians remains too high. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has given a thumbs down to the terms of a ceasefire. In a sharp rebuff to the Biden administration, Netanyahu said it would require months more fighting before Hamas was defeated. He's also suggesting that victory, quote, was within reach. As expected, Senate Republicans have defeated a bipartisan effort to address border security that had taken months to negotiate, but said they could still approve aid for Ukraine and Israel that had been tied up in the deal. The $118 billion package needed 60 votes to advance, but only received 49. Democrats controlled the chamber by a 51 to 49 margin. GOP lawmakers initially had demanded border changes as a condition for Ukraine aid, but they later balked, saying the negotiated terms regarding migrants were not tough enough. James Langford of Oklahoma says he even faced threats from a conservative commentator. That told me flat out, if you try to move a bill that solves the border crisis during this presidential year, I will do whatever I can to destroy you. Because I do not want you to solve this during the presidential election. The latest development now, there's still a possibility that Congress could provide aid to U.S. allies. The Senate is now expected to vote today on a $96 billion measure that strips out the immigration provisions. The Supreme Court today will hear arguments about whether former President Trump is ineligible for a second term in office because of his conduct surrounding the assaults on the U.S. Capitol three years ago. A preview from this morning's Mike Gavin. It's a case that could have sweeping ramifications for this year's presidential race. A decision against him could disrupt his White House bid. The outcome could provide clarity about Trump's eligibility for the primary and general election ballots. 
The lawsuit from Colorado focuses on the Insurrection Clause, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. The Colorado Supreme Court concluded in December that Trump's conduct on January 6th deemed him ineligible for the presidency. The court ordered him excluded from the Colorado GOP presidential primary ballot. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. Section 3 bars an individual from office who swore an oath to support the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection against it. The lawsuit claims Trump instigated the Capitol riot as part of his efforts to stop the peaceful transfer of presidential power after the 2020 election and is therefore ineligible. Hey, it's Gordon Deal here to tell you about this game-changing product I used before having a couple of cocktails called Z-Biotics. I easily get a headache from just one drink, but I've now found something that helps avoid that miserable feeling the next morning. Z-Biotics Pre-Alcohol Probiotic Drink. It's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by scientists trying to eliminate that crummy feeling the following day. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night. Whether you're sitting down at home for movie night or out with friends, drink responsibly and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/gordon to get 15% off your first order when you use Gordon at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/gordon and use the code Gordon at checkout for 15% off. Welcome into Thursday. Nikki Haley is fueling questions about her end game as she barrels toward a South Carolina showdown with Donald Trump, despite the odds seemingly stacked against her. We started with 14 candidates. I have outdone and defeated a dozen of them. I've got one left. She was on Fox News. Her campaign, of course, insists she's running to be president, but there may be other motivations. Here's analysis from Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Julia, what are you hearing? So, you know, I think there's two schools of thought. There one, there's one that's saying she's just laying it all out on the field and trying to build her profile ahead of South Carolina, hoping for a decent showing, even if that's a strong second. And if it's not a strong second, or if she doesn't, if she does get a strong second, going on to the Super Tuesday states of Michigan, um, Texas, for example, states where independents can also vote in the primary. So that's part of, you know, a, an environment she could do well in, like New Hampshire. But there's this other school of thought that says, you know, she's laying, still laying the groundwork for 2028, trying to build her profile, trying to get up ahead of the other potential 2028 contenders. Wow. All right. So from that standpoint, I mean, the donations are still there, right? I mean, she's still bringing in campaign money. She absolutely is. Her campaign said in the month of January alone, she raised $16.5 million. Now, a lot of this could be from donors, but it's also from a strong grassroots base. Now, is this enough to necessarily build her name ID in time for the South Carolina primary? Probably not. However, she's certainly doing something that could benefit her long term. And whether long term is in Super Tuesday or in 2028, we'll have to see. And I have to note, her campaign says there's no talk of her dropping out, that she is not playing for a second. She's playing to win this still. So we haven't seen any indication otherwise. All right. Is she still in the vice president conversation? You hear that mentioned quite a bit, um, but you know one of the pushbacks to that argument is Donald Trump really likes loyalty, and Nikki Haley is not someone who you know has been loyal to him. Uh, she left his administration early to build her profile to run for president, and she's running for president now. Um, 
and she's running against him and she's hit back at him. Would she be an attractive vice presidential pick? Sure, in a general election. But I think picking her could do a lot to um, tick off a lot of MAGA pro-Trump voters who are unhappy with that more um, you know, moderate establishment corporate side of the Republican primary. Mm. We're speaking with Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. They've got a story called Haley's Long Shot Bid Fuels Questions About Her Endgame. What about the possibility, I guess, remote as it might be, that Trump is not able to run? Look, I've asked Republicans about this over and over again and political strategists. And what I hear over and over again is that Trump will run no matter what and that the GOP will nominate him no matter what. So in the case that Trump isn't able to run, it's hard to see where that's, a, you know, that, that's going to be a possibility. I haven't really gotten that far with the sources who have told me he's going to be nominated no matter what. But, you know, if that were to happen, I guess it would have to go to, con- to a convention and someone like Nikki Haley would um, have to, you know, have those delegates that she, you know, kind of was able to amass during the primary. And if not that, if he's already chosen his vice presidential pick, maybe the vice presidential pick gets a shot at it in the primary. Yeah. Geez, I and you opened the possibility too, I guess, or at least some analysts did about uh, her running as a third-party candidate, maybe with the No Labels group. Well, we know that the No Labels group has said repeatedly, or she, or excuse me, the Kaylee campaign has said repeatedly that she's not interested in the No Labels party. She's fine with the Republican label. But, um, you know, No Labels has certainly left that door open. I think they're looking to build their, um, you know, name ID as much as possible, try to get on the, you know, as many places on the ballot as possible. But time is really running out for them. And they've had a lot going up against them in terms of the negative stories about, you know, how Note Labels is being run, where their funding is coming from. So that's something that, um, you know, is being talked about a little bit. Thanks, Julia. Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected the four-and-a-half-month ceasefire proposal made by Hamas. The militant group had suggested a plan that involved Israeli withdrawal from the enclave, the release of all hostages, and an end to the war. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. I do believe that there is a very um, positive, powerful future that is possible that genuinely integrates Israel uh, into the region and addresses its most profound security needs uh, to be able to live in peace and, and genuine security. Number two. Senate Republicans have defeated the $118 billion bipartisan deal that would have tightened immigration laws while assisting Ukraine and Israel. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, however, says a new $95 billion foreign assistant package will be voted upon today that does not include border provisions. We will recess until tomorrow and give our Republican colleagues the night to figure themselves out. Number three. Trump's presidential ballot eligibility case heads to the U.S. Supreme Court today. The nine justices will hear arguments in Trump's appeal of a Colorado Supreme Court's ruling that he is not qualified to run for president because he violated the 14th Amendment during the January 6th riot on the Capitol. 
The Fresno County Sheriff's Office is searching for nearly 100 stolen beehives. CEO of Fresno County Farm Bureau Ryan Jacobson says the hives are valued at $34,000. You just don't go buy another box and all of a sudden have a colony. I mean, it's a very extensive process from acquiring the queen all the way through the development of trying to have a healthy hive and trying to keep it up over the course of the couple of years. Beehive rentals can be one of the biggest expenses to farmers. Next time you visit a Chick-fil-A, pay attention to the language the staff uses. Fun fact, you will never hear a Chick-fil-A employee say you're welcome. Instead, they say, my pleasure. Leadership says this phrase can be more polite, welcoming, and helps the chain stand out against competition. All right, I like that. I, I could live with, you're most welcome. I could live with that one. I see how your welcome is just sort of standard, but... I mean, I like my, like pleasure my pleasure is a little, yeah. Nice. I'm good with that. Thanks, Nicole. Forget bar hopping or even dinner out. More young professionals prefer turning in early, aware of the importance of sleep. Here's Rachel Wolf, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, who's part of the trend. Rachel, what's with you and your generation? My partner joked that this was just a conspiracy to normalize my own 9 p.m. bedtime. <laughs> uh, it is not. It is true. But it, um, I'm definitely guilty. So, th- But this is like a cool thing to do among uh, young adults your age, for example. Yeah. Um, apparently, I'm on trend which is, again, why my partner was making fun of me about it. Uh, because it in over the course of reporting, I found out that my own habit is not only healthy, but actually cool. Mm. You live like in a party town, though. How do you do this? I do live in New Orleans, but luckily the Mardi Gras parades are all during the day or early evening. So it's actually conducive. Partying, they've... New Orleans is the original partying during the day, sleeping at night town. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's it, stuff going on at night, too. I'm just not partaking. Wow. Uh, so to your point, there are businesses who are adjusting here because they're spotting this trend of young adults just going to bed earlier. Exactly. At Joyface in Manhattan, revelers counted down to midnight on New Year's Eve at 8 p.m. Uh, <laughs> so if that doesn't tell you that... Bars are taking advantage of an opportunity. I don't know what will. Also, apparently, even on college campuses, events are starting earlier. People are recognizing that you don't need to be out until all hours to still have fun. Wow. All right. So is this, from my perspective, perhaps your generation getting a little soft? Or are you just aware that there are great benefits to a good night's sleep? Could be both. I think that we are more exhausted than (laughs) maybe previous generations were when they were our age. And I think that there are a lot of different reasons for that. Um, But it's probably a little bit of both. I think it's a combination of, you know, feeling a bit overwhelmed by the state of things and just recognizing that getting a good night's sleep is a key to having a successful next day. There's just less stigma in that than there once was. Wow. We're speaking with Rachel Wolf, consumer trends reporter at the Wall Street Journal. She's got a good story called The Hottest New Bedtime for 20-somethings is 9 p.m. And she's one of them. So there was, I believe, a doctor in your story who said you can take this a little too seriously. What was the point there? Yeah, he was saying that people are getting a little bit neurotic about their sleep. So... Somewhere between seven and nine hours, a little bit more than that is good. But 
I think a point that he was trying to make is sometimes if you obsess about sleep too much, it can be counterproductive and cause you to actually have more trouble falling asleep. Mm. So his advice was, you know, great to see that sleep is being taken more seriously, but everybody could also perhaps stand to relax a little bit. Thanks, Rachel. Rachel Wolf, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. If you still have landline phone service, you may have noticed that your monthly bills have been skyrocketing. That's because the FCC no longer regulates copper lines and phone companies are jacking up the price of their service. UMA is an internet home phone service that lets you keep enjoying the safety and peace of mind of a home phone without paying an arm and a leg. In fact, with a one-time purchase of the UMA Tello, you get internet home phone service for free. All you pay are applicable taxes and fees. Unlike mobile phones, UMA has address-based 911, so dispatchers will know exactly where to find you in an emergency. In the event you call 911, UMA can send a text alert to loved ones. UMA even includes a free mobile app so you can take your home number on the go. And don't worry, you can keep your home phone number for a one-time fee or get a new one for free. Setup is easy. It takes less than 10 minutes. Stop paying too much for home phone service. Visit UMA.com slash Gordon Deal today to get a special discount. That's O-O-M-A dot com slash Gordon Deal. The news. First, fast, and free of noise. You're listening to America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Glad you're with us. Gordon Deal with Nicole Murray on this Thursday, February 8. Some of our top stories and headlines. A U.S. drone strike kills the leader of an Iraqi militia tied to an attack on American troops in Jordan. The Supreme Court hears arguments today about ballot eligibility for Donald Trump. Funding for Ukraine and Israel may still happen. Five Marines still missing after their helicopter crashed in the mountains east of San Diego. A California man accused of stealing blueprints of nuclear missile launch sensors developed for the federal government. And the restaurant customer who made good after forgetting to leave a tip We'll have that story in about 20 minutes. While at one point many CEOs believed that remote work had many benefits, such as better work-life balance and reduced environmental impact, today the focus seems to have shifted to its disadvantages, such as communication difficulties and cybersecurity risks. If you're told to return to the office full-time, do you have rights? Here's employment attorney Jonathan Bell. John, set this up. Well, it's going to be a big change. I find that a lot of companies have made a 180 on this issue. Uh, at first, uh, a lot of companies were behind the full-time work-from-home method, as there are a lot of clear advantages to that. Um, a lot of employees were happy doing it. Less commuting time. Uh, they could work more around the clock uh, at times. A lot of companies could save money on the expense of having actual office space and things of that nature. But as now is going on, they find uh, employers are finding it that they're more disconnected from their employees. Uh, also, there are wage and hour issues. Sometimes employees who are hourly, um, you never know what time they're working until. And if they continue to work and potentially put in overtime hours, which can't really be monitored, the employer could be on the hook. So now that employees are being required to come back, a lot of them are not happy. They enjoy working from home. You know, you have the individual workers who actually are more productive at home, but then you have those who are not working as hard yeah. and they're running around and doing a lot of chores. So the employee has to make a decision if they're going to, you know, the, the company is allowed to do it. They're well within their rights to require people to come in and work in the workplace. So they have a difficult decision to make. 
either they could go home and abide by the policy or they could look for another job. But, uh, Gordon, there is an exception. If somebody has a disability and they qualify into the Americans with Disability Act or there's some local laws, like here we have New York State and New York City laws, and they get a uh, accommodation, a request for an accommodation that's supported by medical evidence, basically establishing they can perform their job from home. They can uh, perform the uh, essential functions of the job. Of the job, that's okay. the requirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that situation, uh, as long as they can perform the essential functions of the job from home, and they have a disability keeping them at home, which for some reason they can't come into the workplace, the employer has to allow that. Uh, so in that situation, if you do have a disability requiring you to, to work from home and you provide the right medical documentation, you are legally protected, and the employer has to uh, allow that to happen with the proper medical evidence. Okay. We're speaking with John Bell, employment attorney and founder of the Bell Law Group. And we're talking about employees being forced to come back to work full-time. Um, could there be punishment if you're the boss? Could you say, listen, uh, you don't come back five days a week, uh, I'm cutting your pay? Absolutely. You could cut the pay, uh, termination, uh, suspension. Uh, that's all on the table. Uh, again, with the, the caveat of the situation I described when someone has a disability and requesting accommodation because that's protected. But other than that, uh, the employer gets to make the rules. And the employee, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the employees mostly at will, right? There's a couple of people under a contract, but mostly they're uh, employee at will. Just like the employee can quit for that reason, and the employer can sue the employee because they quit. In the same situation, the employer can can fire that employee, and the employee can't turn around and start a lawsuit against that organization for, let's say, wrongful termination. Mm. All right, what about, uh, say, circumstances changed? Uh, you start to work from home. Now your uh, aging mother has come to live with you, and you take care of her full-time. Um, can you make that case and say, listen, you, 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 you're pulling a rug out from under me here. I made, you know, life changes for this. So un- unfortunately that's not protected under the law as far as some type of accommodation. Now what is protected is if you're dealing with a sick, uh, a parent or close relative, and if the company has, you know, 50 or more employees, and you satisfy all the other requirements, like the amount of time that you're working, you can get FMLA, right, paid family medical leave. Uh, your state and city might have some uh, local laws protecting you, but that's not to continue working from home. That's to take the job. That's to take some time off the job, have some pr- uh, protections while you're dealing with that sick family member, and ultimately then returning to the workplace. Thanks, John. Jonathan Bell, employment attorney and founder of Bell Law Group. Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday Eve. It is time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, as we continue to document the exploding market for scorn lovers to get revenge on Valentine's Day, here's another one to add to the list. The latest comes from a company offering you the chance to have old love letters from your ex turned into toilet paper in time for the holiday. According to the company's website, you can mail in those love letters still taking up space in your sock drawer to their production facility where they will magically transform their BS into TP because, quote, 
Nothing says closure like knowing that someone somewhere is putting those sweet nothings exactly where they belong. <laughs> the company is accepting love letter donations to its facilities in the U.S., Australia, and the U.K. through the end of this month. That's a good one. So yeah. we've had the we've had the hissing cockroaches. Right. You yes. can name your ex after that. Mm-hmm. The crushed cars. Yes, we talked about that the other day. Clever. Right. Uh, that the, the cats uh, pooping. Oh yeah, the cats on them in the litter in, box in the, in the animal shelter. Yep, right. Yep. Yeah, that's that's also a good one. So and now this creative one. ones this year. This one I that this one might. Might take the cake. Oh yeah, you think well, so? Only because the 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 language they used. Uh, nothing like you know closure. Knowing someone somewhere is putting those sweet nothings. Yeah, exactly where they belong. Right. Yeah. Up I mean, the you know what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is kind of the gift that keeps on giving. You could keep this going all year, like because I assume they send the back to you, right? You you have it turned into you have the toilet paper. The love letters turned into the toilet paper. Yeah. Then they send it back to you mm-hmm. to use, right? Okay. And depending on how judicious you are with your use, <laughs> yes. you could go all year long yeah. just kind of you know using the using that up. That's funny. That's a good one. I like that one. And we've talked a lot about people setting extraordinary Guinness World Records, but we rarely talk about the agony of defeat. You can imagine how much of that agony one Frenchman was feeling after he spent eight years of his life building a massive model of the Eiffel Tower from matchsticks, only to have his application for the record rejected because he didn't use the right matchsticks. Richard Plaud said he used over 706,000 matchsticks to build his 23.6-foot model, and he applied for the record. Richard says he received word that the tower was disqualified because the rules state the matches used in the sculpture must be commercially available, and some of the matches he used were sent to him by a company he struck a deal with. Guinness did admit to NBC News that they may have been a little heavy-handed with the application, and they will review the decision. Oh, for the love of Pete. <laughs> are you, Can you, are imagine? you kidding me? Now, I have to say, you know, he obviously did not do enough research to sort of figure out that this was one of the rules. Yeah. If you're going to spend eight years trying to break a record, Maybe you want yeah. to look really closely at those rules. Well, I thought that your your phrase, uh, eight years of building a massive model, that yeah. would have been a record in and of itself. Right, right. Just, just, eight just, years. Just, just, just give me the record, Guinness. Come on. Wait, Guinness invents records for the dumbest stuff imaginable. <laughs> right. Give the guy the record and just create a new category. Right. You know, most uh, of the records take like you know twenty seconds to break, yeah, right? Because right. This is a this is a lifetime right. of a record. No, they should go to that guy in Idaho. Yeah. He's got like eight hundred records he personally set himself, right? Yeah. Which take like two minutes. <laughs> right. Go to go to the, see what he says about this. He's the expert. That's that's true. This the, what this guy built though mm-hmm. the Eiffel Tower out of matchsticks. It's incredibly is impressive, breathtaking. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So just just give him something. Give him some kind of trophy. I mean, just create a new category <laughs> with, with any matchsticks. Right, that's right, the category right, 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 right. Yeah. That's the second. Category. Category, he wins. It's an incredible sculpture, though. Thank you, Mike. For all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, they provide real-time product availability online and have sourcing specialists who can help you track down hard-to-find items. And their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Glad you're with us. If you attend a Super Bowl party this Sunday, expect to run into a sheet of paper with 100 boxes on it and be asked to pay to put your initials in one or many of them. But how do you pick? MarketWatch came out with guidance. If you're not familiar, participants choose squares, and once the grid is filled with initials or names, numbers between 0 and 9 are randomly chosen and put across the grid horizontally and vertically tied to each of the two teams playing. At the end of each quarter... The final digit in the two teams' scores matches one square, and the person who claimed that square 
wins part of the pot. According to Dr. Aaron Montgomery, Associate Professor of Math and Probability at Baldwin Wallace University, the only thing that will increase your odds of winning is buying more squares. Or another strategy, he says, draw a smiley face with a few in boxes in parallel rows and then a U of squares underneath. Each square has the same probability, basically 1 in 100, before the numbers are assigned. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Nicole Murray. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A senior commander of an Iran-backed militia has been killed by a U.S. drone strike in Baghdad. The Pentagon said the commander was responsible for planning and participating in attacks on American forces. This includes the deadly strike that killed three U.S. service members in Jordan last week. There were no collateral damages or civilian casualties. Number two. The Justice Department has completed an investigation into President Biden's alleged mishandling of classified documents. Attorney General Merrick Garland says a report is expected to be released to Congress and the public soon. The White House must first complete a review for potential executive privilege concerns. Sensitive paperwork was discovered at Biden's residence and his post-vice presidency office in 2022. Number three. A helicopter carrying five Marines that disappeared during California's atmospheric river storm has been located. The United States Marines say the plane was found by civil authorities in Pine Valley yesterday morning. Officials are managing the search and rescue operation to locate the missing crew using ground and aviation technologies. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. Obviously, our uh, our hopes are of the best here, uh, but this was a MH-53, Marine Corps MH-53, a large helicopter that was on its way from Creech Air Force Base to San Diego. At least six people are unaccounted for after a Pennsylvania home burst into flames. Police were called to the residence following reports of a minor being shot. Delaware County District Attorney Jack, St- Jack Stolsteimer. Two uh, officers were responding to an emergency call this uh, this afternoon, uh, a 911 call about an 11-year-old possibly being shot at the property. Officials say law enforcement was met with gunfire upon arrival and two officers were shot but are in stable condition. Police will search the home for bodies and evidence this morning since the house was still burning yesterday evening. P.F. Chang says it will be offering free dumplings for anyone who has been recently dumped this Valentine's Day season. Get six shrimp or pork dumplings for free by texting Chang's Dumplings along with a story or screenshot of the breakup to receive instructions on how to get the freebie. Those are a staple of my diet. I need you to text me Uh and fake break up with me so I have proof for the freebie. As long as you share them. Deal. We're in on together. Deal. Okay, got it. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for being with us. A restaurant customer has gone above and beyond to ensure his server received a proper tip. A man named Ted sent a letter to Side Street Poor House and Grill in North Carolina saying he'd come in the final days of 2023 to dine at the restaurant with his wife and that days later he found a mistake when looking at his bank statement. He noticed the total charge to his visa was lower than it should have been. He then discovered that instead of the customer copy, he had taken the signed merchant's copy, meaning the restaurant had no way of knowing whether Ted intended to leave a tip. The restaurant wrote about his note on Facebook because in the letter he mailed, he included a crisp $20 bill for his server, a woman named Hope. He wrote, that was no way for either of us to end 2023. Here's to a fresh start. Commenters, of course, ate it up. One said, perfect example of an absolute class act. 
That'll do it for this hour. For Nicole Murray and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News. We'll be right back.